0: Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space to hold all of Judy's striped boatneck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boatneck sweaters. The Container Store Alpha Sale is here, with 30% off Alpha and installation. The Container Store, where space comes from. extra episode of the real me in colon a movie podcast on this episode chase will go over his experience with the 2019 north texas film festival what did he like what did he watch what he dislike all that more on this episode of real me in What is going on everybody and welcome to this extra episode of the Real Man Colon A Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts Chase Lee and if you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, this is an extra episode and if you accidentally stumbled across this one, don't leave. Uh, I, I, re- I usually have a co-host with me but uh, I am running solo on this uh, uh, short uh, but extra episode of, uh, the podcast, if you're a returning listener, welcome back, uh, typically what we do, if you are new, is we'll go over some movies that drop throughout the week, and we will review them, do movie news, trailers, and just provide our commentary and our in-depth thoughts on the, uh, world of cinema, so, uh, that is what we like to do, so, but for this one, I'm running solo, uh, going old school, um, you know, before the days of Joel, where I was speaking, uh, to myself in my room, uh, and it was uh, pretty embarrassing. I still do that now, but at least I have someone on the other line. Um, yes, so North Texas decided to throw their hat in the ringer for the festival season and come up with their own film festival. And uh, if you're asking me on a personal level, uh, this is fantastic. And for selfish reasons, this is also fantastic. Because in the springtime, we have the Dallas International Film Festival, uh, as you guys are aware. And I I get a little bummed afterwards, because I don't have anything to look forward to, I can't afford to go to TIFF or Telluride or Fantastic Fest, so it's just like, I need something, you know, just give me a little something, a little taste of the uh, Oscar uh, season, and so this is their first ever one, and uh, I'm just going to tell you about my experiences, uh, what I saw, what I liked, what I disliked, and just kind of run the whole gamut of my uh, entire experience of the first ever annual uh, North Texas Film Festival. I will say this. Uh, I did enjoy myself uh, overall. Uh, I did. I, I, I could have sworn I heard didn't. Sorry. It has been a long weekend. I enjoyed myself for sure, and I really hope that they come back with it next year for a second edition of this film festival and just keep growing it, make it bigger, and make it the fall counterpart to the Dallas International Film Festival and be just as big or even bigger that would be great, and uh, I, I look forward to it. So uh, I did like my experience overall. I saw five things uh, for you guys, and if you want to know my individual thoughts and more in-depth thoughts on these movies, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel if you want to. But uh, I will try to do my best here to explain what I saw in depth. Um and so uh, buckle up. Here we go. Uh, day one was really fun. Uh, we started off with a banger, if you will, and that would be Marriage Story. Now, this one comes from Netflix, and it's written and directed by Noah Baumbach. It stars Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, and it loosely tells the story of a real-life uh, scenario from uh, Noah Baumbach when he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee and they got married, had a kid, got divorced, the whole nine, and so this is loosely based. On that and um, we kind of see Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson's marriage you know very promising very fruitful in the beginning and we see it slowly dissolve in front of our eyes and we see this really exhaustive and extraneous um, divorce process and it's just really heartbreaking to watch because you know deep down that these people love each other and it's just it's really sad so I'm gonna do something different and I'm actually not going to tell you where I thought about it, or my grade, or anything, uh, because we actually have Marriage Story as our prime episode in uh, one of the November slots, November or December. I think it's December, so it's actually really far off. Um, I will just say this to kind of tease you. So it, it, unless you like follow my YouTube or my Twitter, you know how I think feel about this movie. But if you want to stay completely away from it, and Joel was at the screen with me too, so you know he's got thoughts on it too. I will say this to kind of like whet your appetite a little bit. Marriage Story is a top 10 contender. That's all I'll say. Uh, So yes, uh, Marriage Story was the first one that we saw uh, together, Joel and myself. Uh, This was the only one he saw, by the way. I saw the rest by myself. But uh, since that is a main topic episode in December, I'm going to go ahead and just not talk about it. And you guys will have to just... uh, wait for a couple months and, uh, uh, save her on that, uh, anticipation, so, that was the first thing I saw, uh, slash we did, uh, the second thing was The Lodge, now, this one comes from Neon, and it is, uh, um, it stars, uh, Riley Kino, and she is a stepmom that comes into this family, you know, the, the father and the two, uh, two kids, they had, a mother that seemed like they, she was pretty loving. And then something happens to her. I'm not going to say what. But uh, something happens to her. So Riley Kino comes into the picture as the stepmom. She's a little mysterious. They don't know what is exactly wrong with her. But they all go to a lodge to kind of bond together. And um, grow that relationship. But things go awry. And um, paranoia starts to get to Riley Kino's character uh, a little too much. And stuff starts happening. So... Uh, I was looking forward to this one. I like the trailers to it. It just I love one-location type movies. I love isolated uh, movies where characters are stuck somewhere and they have to figure out how to survive and while also uh, fighting these psychological breakdowns that they might face. I love all of that, right? And I was looking forward to it. The trailers sold me well on it. And Neon is on a streak right now. They're probably going to win the best foreign film at the Oscars this year with Parasite. So they are on a roll. This movie's fine. Um, I think what's really strange about it is that on a technical level, it's really good. Uh, The atmosphere is there, this kind of like bitter anxiety that's like, you know, plaguing throughout this thing, utilizing the cold environments to their advantage, making you feel cold with them and just uh, you feel like you're going a little paranoid. It's just, it's a nice little atmospheric experience. The cinematography is really great, it's got this dollhouse look to it. Which, uh, it, it's framed in a way that makes it look like the characters are uh, in a dollhouse. Almost to the akin of, like, hereditary. Um, and it makes sense for, uh, for this one, too. Because I'm not going to say what the plot is or, like, what goes on. But I will say that given the dollhouse cinematography, you would think it's, like, maybe... Someone is uh, controlling them Because when you think of dolls inside of a dollhouse You are the one controlling them And what they do And their actions inside the house So I guess that's the best way you can think about it uh, Without spoiling into the plot The sound design is really great The music is eerie It just accompanies the atmosphere very well And Riley Kino is solid for what she is given Because she has to operate on being normal And then being almost like zombified and brainwashed so she is solid everything else is kind of like whatever it it's like a very average type of horror film and what i really disliked about it is the fact that the mystery behind the stepmom was revealed so early on in the movie that all the tension and suspense is sucked out of the room so as the movie keeps progressing you're like all right i already saw what her backstory is i get a a feeling of how the movie's going to end, and, like, you can see everything coming from a mile away, and so when you leave the theater, you're like, o- okay, I guess. So, really kind of a blowing the wad in terms of story structure, so early on that you just don't feel the need to continue it, and it just becomes less interesting as it goes on. It becomes boring and repetitive because it does the same kind of sequences over and over again, um, and it just kind of pitters out, towards the end so you're just thin- sitting there going okay well technically it's good uh, on that level but story-wise it just kind of falls flat so it didn't really keep me engaged and it moves at this glacial pace it's just i i, I don't know man I- so i'm like 50 50 on it's like there's some good stuff about it. there's some bad stuff about it. so as a horror film straight horror film it's fine um i just wish it could have been better and they could have played with the story a little bit more maybe explored a little bit more. Uh, with her character, it just, it presents her backstory, and just doesn't really ever bring it up, or just, it's just like, okay, that's it, let's just, all right, let's uh trot to the finish line, so, yeah, I, uh it's a C, I'm gonna give it a C, it's down the middle for me, it's, uh you know, it is what it is, but it is The Lodge, and it comes out um next February, uh, February 2020 from Neon, so check it out if you are a horror fan, but uh if you are a little, Kind of hesitant on it because uh, you didn't know like how good it was. I'll say just wait for uh, streaming. So, yes, The Lodge was the second thing I watched. The third thing I watched was uh, Back of the Net. Now, this one uh, comes from director Luis Alston. And this one tells the story of Corey as a spunky, go getting very smart teenager. She is so smart that she's uh, uncoordinated. She's bumbling around there she's falling. You know, it's, it's a hoot and holler, folks. Um, hilarious stuff. It's the stereotypical, uh, nerd, um, uh, kind of cliches and, uh, she, she portrays them very well. She's just very, uh, fumbly anyways. Um, she's very smart. So she wants to go to the science Academy in Australia. And so the bus reads HSA. I forgot what the H stands for, but it's like something, uh, science Academy. But when she gets off the plane, guys, this is where the hijinks ensue. When she gets off the plane, right, she stumbles across this bus that has HSA. She's like, this is the Science Academy. Uh, little uh, to, to her, she, she discovers that it's the Soccer Academy when she gets there. I know. Classic mistake. So she's at the Soccer Academy, and she's like, I want to go home. I want to go to the Science Academy, whatever. So uh, Coach is like, well, it's one of our sister schools, so your credits can be transferred. Just stay here. Cool. All right, uh, so you know where this story is going, folks. Like, she doesn't want to be there. She learns to become friends with these people. She doesn't like soccer, but she slowly gets better at it. And then they fight the rival team in the school. It's a family film. It's it's cliched as hell, and um, you know how it's going to end. So this isn't like anything surprising. Um. Let me get something really awesome out of the way. Let me get to the negatives, and I'll get into like what's maybe the best thing about it. So one of the awesome things is it was filmed and uh, incorporated Australian actors and actresses. So it was was filmed in Australia. It got local people. That's awesome. I really wish more movies would play like that in front of an American audience, but... Uh I can tell right tell you right now business executives are gonna be like, uh kids are not gonna understand uh the accent and they're just gonna be really bored. And so um I don't really care. Uh please show more stuff like this, uh, because that is really, really cool. Um so let's get to some of the technical stuff out of the way. This movie is visually bland. It it, it just reeks of bright white um overly lit just kind of this tv series look to it there's maybe like three night shots and everything else is shot during the day so it just gets visually bland and boring it's almost like a hospital and it just becomes really stagnant so it's really uh, unimpressive to look at it just reeks of tv movie some of the scene transitions are really awkward like when it's going from scene to scene it, if you do a hard cut a, a dissolve if you do Something incorporated in the scene that transitions to the other scene. It's like there's many ways to do it, right? And I don't really care which way you do it as long as it flows well. There there was some awkward parts where just like something would happen. Someone would say something and they would just like sit there and kind of stare. And they would just awkwardly cut to something else. And you're like, okay, I guess we're done. Uh, and then the, some of the sound design was really off too. Um, I noticed that in a few of the scenes the ADR just really looked w- it looked and sounded weird, like it didn't match their mouths, it didn't sound like it was coming from them on set, it did sound like it was coming from a sound booth, which once again is fine as long as you blend it in very well, that's what sound design is for. Some of the sound effects were really weird too, um, be very loud and prominent in the scene, you're like, no, that should be blended in a little bit better, so uh that's some of the technical stuff aside, and one of the most irritating thing about it, before I get into the, I guess, slight positive, is that I usually don't care, like, what font a movie uses, but they use Times New Roman. Like, in the corner of the uh, uh, the film when they're doing their lower thirds, it says, like, day two or whatever because it was, like, a multi-day thing towards the end of the movie. It was so bland. It was just, like, boom, boom, and I was like, okay, uh, all right, I guess that's what we're going with. And the biggest atrocity is the end credits. Now, I typically don't care what you do with end credits, like, just... Show them, give people their credit, and let people be happy they made a movie. How are people going to know they were happy to make a movie if it was barely even up there? Like, if you put any type of uh, credit up, you want to make it at least three seconds, right? Because that's how long it takes for the brain to comprehend what you're seeing. That's usually the rule of thumb. Each one was lasting two seconds on screen. And I was like, what is this? Who, Who approved this? It would just literally show, fade in, fade out. I'm like, there wasn't even time to read it. Like I'm trying to skim it as fast as possible, and even they're doing paragraphs of names with that time length. I'm like, guys, come on! Uh, So, uh, a nitpick, but a nitpick uh, that I wanted to address. Uh, And then the, I guess the positive is that this is a glorified TV movie. This is like something you would see on Disney Plus. It is not cinematic whatsoever in the framework of the story, the scope, and the way it looks. It just, it's not cinematic. It is a perfectly fine tv streaming movie i don't know why it was uh in theaters someone needs to snatch it up and just uh throw it on disney plus let people uh watch it while their kids are doing whatever it's just background noise uh so that is honestly the best compliment i can give it other than that i didn't really care for it so i'm gonna get back of the net a c minus so there you go uh the fourth film that i saw was Dolomite Is My Name. Now, this one comes from Netflix. It's directed by Craig Brewer. And this one stars Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore. He was a real-life person um, that was a struggling actor, kind of down on his luck, hasn't found his big break yet. Then he eventually takes on the uh, persona of Dolomite. He starts doing stand-up comedy, uh, uh, from which he actually attended like a homeless group circle and like recorded their conversations and then turn it into comedy it's crazy doing stand-up comedy uh rapping singing acting like this guy was an auteur for sure and i i really like that but uh yes yeah, so we kind of chronic chronicle his life and how he was a really prominent part in the kind of like black exploitation uh era in the 70s and really making a name for himself So, you know, I didn't really know much going into it. The only thing I ever saw on it, because I didn't know who Rudy Ray Moore was or Dolomite, because I'm uncultured. I apologize. I would like to know more now after watching uh, this movie. But the only thing I saw was a trailer. It looked really, really good. And it looked like Eddie Murphy was uh, back uh, doing something that we can remember him by finally and not some crappy comedy. This is a good movie. It is groovy as hell, and I'm sure someone has already mentioned this uh, in a review, but I'm going to go ahead and just say it, Dolomite is dynamite. It is a good movie, I really enjoyed myself. Craig Brewer just really crafts this um, really energetic, entertaining uh, story of this guy that was larger than life, he had a big personality, he was bright, he uh, was the guy that could walk into a room and just make everyone's day better. And you reflected that in the, the filmmaking. It was so uh, well-paced for a two-hour film. I enjoyed myself from start to finish. And just watching this guy trying to chase the Hollywood dream, it was just entertaining to watch. And on top of all that, really um, uh, getting the aesthetic of the, the 70s with the clothes, uh, which were uh, costume designed by uh, Oscar winner Ruth Carter. You know, she won for Black Panther. Um, but the... It, it, they're vibrant. They're striking. Uh, they're they're loud, just like the decade. It's just it, it's really good costuming kind of production design. You really feel like you're watching something in the seventies. You feel like you're you're going back in time, watching this guy's life. Eddie Murphy is a star in this movie. He is super slick in the role. He's funny. He's charming. He's just a guy that wants to make a name for himself and represent the black community in the seventies um, and really give them. Uh, something to look up to. He So he wanted to make a name for himself um, and be the star. That's where his ego comes from, but also doing it for representation and uh, being a, a, a loud voice in the minority back in that day because now nowadays in 2019, it's definitely getting better with diversity in film, but back then it was really hard for anyone of color to uh, break through in the entertainment industry and he wanted to do that. So he, he's also got a lot of heart to him. He's hilarious. This is a role that was tailored for him. He was such a blast to watch. Everyone else in the supporting cast is great too. Uh, Craig Robinson, Wesley Snipes, and his coked out character. Um, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Titus Burgess, T.I., Snoop Dogg, Chris Rock, uh, D- D- Divine J- uh, Joy Randolph. She was also fantastic as his business partner. Just trying to like support uh, her son. And being this kind of like striking comedic figure, uh, really uh, kind of punchy with her attitude and snarky, I loved it. She was such a great character. But they were really fun to watch and just made this whole ride enjoyable from start to finish. Um, And then, of course, to to wrap up the review, the music is funky, it's delicious, and it uses the appropriate tracks from that decade to complement the setting and the overall story. I like this movie quite a bit. Listen, I always give Netflix a lot of flack because they don't—they aren't really good at what they <laughs> do in terms of movies. But uh, between this and like Marriage Story, they are on a—they are on fire so far. So uh, Dolomite is my name. It comes to select theaters next Friday. But if you can't reach it in theaters, because I do think it adds a, a nice cinematic quality to it, if you can't reach it in theaters, it does hit Netflix on October fourth. Check it out. Dolomite is my name, uh, and, uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy is just, he's great, so that was the fourth thing I saw, and the fifth and final thing I saw is a little different, uh, I did not see a film, per se, I saw four short films, so it was a collection of the best of diff, uh, short films, and they showed four back-to-back, uh, it was like an hour and ten minutes long, um, and I'm going to review all four of them in the order that I saw them and try to explain to you what I saw, especially for some of them. <laughs> so the first one was Rene Poptosis, and this is an animated short film. It's about 10 minutes long, and this one tells the story of three Rene's as they go on a quest to find God, who is also Renee. As they traverse the mountains and valleys of Renee, they discover all the great joys, sadnesses, and mysteries of Renee. Uh, pretty weird, right? That's exactly what it is. It's like the... um, uh, It's like if David Lynch made an animated short film. I mean, it is a fever dream of abstract animation. It's sloppy, 2D, um, hand-drawn animation, but it actually complements the aesthetic because it's just weird. And I think it's about the circle of life. I mean, it it kind of describes that in the synopsis, but I think that's what I got out of it. You have this voiceover that's like, uh, calmly reading like this poetic like uh life-affirming stuff and I, it's weird and it's up my alley uh it's it's only 10 minutes long i kind of wish it was either longer or I, I i don't know i i give it like a b minus uh it, i mean it was a tad underwhelming just because it just it just happened so fast and it was done i was like okay i mean i like it but this is whatever so I'd give it, like, a B minus. Um, it's interesting for sure, and it's, uh, like I said, it's like if David Lynch made an animated short film, so I can't really complain too much. The next one is The Queen's New Clothes. Now, this one is a uh, a documentary live action, and it focuses on Win Morton, who is a visionary 90-year-old costume designer who honed his craft on Broadway and with the Ringling Brothers Circus. He brings over the top fantasy and sparkle to a conservative pageant in East Texas, and he designs the dresses for them. This was a wonderful documentary. I absolutely loved uh, following this gentleman around. He's really passionate about his work. He's very work-driven. He's really creative. He makes these kind of loud and boisterous dresses. They're they look like they take forever to make i mean he said that one of them takes like 2 months it's insane they're really beautiful to look at and they're over the top and extravagant but uh it, it kind of just represents him he's really a um a a, a a just a good human he's such a good guy and like there's even a part in the the documentary that focuses on um a a a brief kind of like um loving relationship that he had with someone, and it was just, it was really touching, he's just a a good guy, and the fact that he's almost nine years old, uh, it it just, it just makes you want to work harder, and you're like, oh man, this guy's kicking it at nine years old, I gotta keep going, so, uh, yeah, a really wholesome documentary about someone that, you know, I respect, uh, very greatly, because fashion design is just, it's insane, I, I can't even comprehend even starting on, um, crafting a piece of clothing so uh really really wholesome documentary about a guy that i would just love to hang out with so uh, the queen's new clothes i give like a b plus so the next one is called rapaz i think that's how you pronounce it it's uh translated to raptor and this one focuses on a guy who's taking a smoke break and then someone is saying hey stop that guy so he stops this guy who stole a phone off of someone off of um a subway and so the crowd the public starts to like kind of hone in on this guy who stole the phone and really kind of treat him bad and kind of abuse him until the cops get there and kind of just judge judge him uh, for what he did and everything um it shot vertically and closed in kind of like a cell phone which I guess makes sense for the aesthetic since you're it's like a crowd of people all pulling out their phones kind of filming this situation so I guess it kind of works it's an interesting premise of like when someone uh, does this in a movie. You're like, "Well, what's going to happen to that guy until the cops get there?" So it's an interesting setup, and I do like the start of uh, this this idea because it's something interesting that we haven't seen before. But and then it's just over, and you're like, "Man, this could have made a really uh, even longer short film, like maybe 20, 30 minutes, because uh, I think it was like thirteen, or make it into a full length feature. I don't know, um, but." interesting idea the acting was was fine um the cinematography fit and the the anxiety-filled uh, synth music towards the um in credits was was cool i guess i mean it was it was fine um uh, once again kind of like a promising idea and just kind of you know it just ends and you're like i don't know it could have been more i so it, i it, it was interesting, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give it like a C plus. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else more to say. It's uh, it's very short. And the last one I want to talk about uh, that was the a part of the collection of shorts was Mac wrestles. Now this one focuses on Mac Beggs, who is the transgender athlete from uh, East Texas and kind of made worldwide news after he was participating in a UIL wrestling event and he was competing uh, in the the girls um category because he was born a girl but he has transitioned into uh, a boy at this point and so people are outraging like well he's taking you know testosterone and stuff and you know you know how people are in texas Uh, so uh those transgender people Uh, I am not like that, by the way, um, because I found this to be a very inspirational documentary about a young man who has fully transitioned at this point, and just trying to tell people, like, I I am a man now, let me please fight with the boys, like, I, I don't understand what the issue is, and then in Texas, they have the law that says, whatever it says on your birth certificate, you have to participate in, it doesn't matter what you identify with, and so that was kind of like a hot button issue, and so we kind of focus on Mac as he's just going throughout life, um, near the end of his transition, uh, in wrestling and people treating him differently because he transitioned. And it's just, it's not right because this is a guy that is really passionate about wrestling. It's what, you know, according to his grandma, uh, forced him to not cut himself anymore. Like this is something that saved his life, and he loves doing it, and he practices just as hard as everyone else, like, he is a team player, he's one of the best in um, the state, and, you know, possibly the the country, he's just that good, but people always just throw the transgender stigma on him, and it's just, it's not right, you're supposed to support them in whatever they want to transition into, and I'm speaking to everybody, just in general, um, it's just not right to Put them through mental stress like that because when you, when you say like you're not something, and they know deep down inside that they are something else, you are mentally, uh, uh, psychologically destroying them, and that's not healthy because then it does lead to suicides. Transgender people do have a high rate of suicide, and it, it's just, it's really, really um, sad and devastating. We we should not allow that to happen. We should support. People that want to transition, if they feel the need to, and this is coming from a, a straight white male, so I'm about as cookie cutter as it comes. And I will never like, I, I I'm not transgender, I, I I'm not a part of that community. But what I can say is, I can I can sympathize and empathize with their situation, and support them, and just do what they want to do, and uh, be behind them 100. percent And so you know, towards the end of it, I was like, I really want to. Uh, I was like, I want to contact this guy and uh, just let him know that I uh, support his journey, and uh, it was really touching to see. It's an inspirational sports uh, documentary. It's um, it's from ESPN Films, so I don't know where you can see it, but Mac Russell's a very good uh, documentary. I give that one an A. That's like from a um, uh, cinematography level, just pure editing, subject matter, the way it was constructed. It was a a nice, compact little documentary, and uh, I give it an A. So... That is it for the short films, and that's it for my coverage, guys. It was only three days long. Uh, I only attended two out of the three days, but uh, I really hope that they have it again next year, and I hope I continue to keep going as well as going to the Dallas one, covering more, just giving you guys the the coverage of the film festival. And so I know you guys are really antsy about the marriage story, and that's totally fine. It's understandable. Uh, We will have that episode in December, but... um, That is it for this extra episode of Real Me and a movie podcast. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at RealChaseLee. Follow the podcast at RealMeInPodcast. And, of course, for this podcast itself, whether you're listening on CastBox, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever, please, please, please spread this show around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. The next episode up on the docket docket is the Joker episode uh, coming this week week so look out for that but i am chase lee guys uh covering for the 2019 north texas film festival for this special extra episode you guys are awesome if you're new hopefully you can come back next week if you're returning listeners we always really appreciate you guys you guys are awesome so we'll see you guys for the next episode of jokers that will do it for this uh episode of real man colin movie podcast we'll see you guys later Bye bye